This is episode 38 with Sam Howard. Hello and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness show, a podcast inspired by modern women like you. We are your hosts, Maya and Michaela. Each week you'll get an infusion of tips, daily routines, tools, and rituals from our favorite experts that will inspire you to create the life of your dreams and make it a reality. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. We also want to invite you to join our free private Facebook group called Energized Mama Tribe. We are also offering a free masterclass, five steps to get 10 or more hours of free time in your week. Lastly, we're offering free breakthrough calls with us to help implement the tools we teach you in the class. Links to all of these free resources are in the show notes. So grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and welcome to Love Yourself to Happiness. Sam is a entrepreneur, triathlete, and depression coach dedicated to supporting you as you build your toolbox for life's challenges and in doing so, create a life you want to live in. She encourages you to find a message in the mess along the way and share your journey so you can hashtag make your mess matter by inspiring others to do the same. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And here with us, we have Sam Howard. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you here. So to begin, can you share with us a story on how you got to do the work that you do and share with us a little bit more of your personal life? Absolutely. So my current, I'll say, profession is I've been going into depression coaching. And how I got to become a depression coach is through naturally healing myself of depression. So it's a recent thing. I spent four and a half years proactively building a toolbox that eventually got me out of depression completely naturally last July. So I'm thrilled to have done it. A little surprised at the time, but thrilled to have done it. And since last year, I've just been trying to pull together everything I went through and everything I used and put it into some sort of system so that I could share it with other people just in case it was something they were looking to do too. That is amazing. That's amazing. So can you share with us um, some of your toolbox, you know, some of your tools that you have acquired during your, your journey? Yeah. So I'll start off a tool to me is absolutely anything that has a positive result a positive effect on how you see life, how you feel, anything about your situation. So that could be anything from listening to a podcast that inspires you, watching a motivational video. It could be reframing something that you hadn't thought of before. It could be a food, a snack, a workout, anything, absolutely anything. And so there's such a range of things that we can use to make these little positive changes. And one of the things that I feel the most strongly about starting with, and this is actually the one I realized I used right at the beginning, which was deciding. I decided that I was going to make a change. I drew a line in the sand and I decided that I was going to figure out how to do this thing called life 
well. Mm -hmm. As if I was going to do it, I decided I was going to do it. I wanted to do it well. I wanted to find out what a good life was for me. Not what anyone told me, not what anyone said I should do, not what school said, not what parents said. I wanted to find out what it was for me. And I didn't realize that that was going to take me on such a crazy journey because finding out what you truly want means figuring out who you truly are. And so that's the main tool that kick-started my journey. That was back in 2014. Um, I said 2013, actually. It's 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. So I decided to make a change. And the next thing that moved out of that was self-awareness. And this is the second tool I'd like to share. This is getting to know yourself, but getting to know yourself where you're at. Truly, truly understanding where you're at right now, not where you think you should be, not where you imagined you'd be at a certain age, but where you truly are now. And that sort of self-awareness can come in any way, shape or form. But the way I love to share it is by doing all of these different incredibly uh, researched tests or quizzes or personality tests, really. And when you add them all up together, I mean, you can take what works for you and you can not take what doesn't work for you. And that's totally fine. But putting them all together was the best way to start understanding where I was at. So figuring out what my Enneagram was, figuring out what my birth numbers were, figuring out what was going on in my astrological chart, what my dosha is, what the tendency I was. And all these different quizzes started to unwrap who I was now because it was something I was taking now and all these experts have spent their life's work and they've done such great stuff and it's there for us to use most of these quizzes are free and from that that awareness you can begin to work with who you are now and that makes life so much easier because you're not trying to work with who you think you should be yeah. Yeah. So it's kind it of takes a lot of pressure off. Out. Yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off of uh, yeah. trying to be everything. Yeah. Right? Or trying to live up to your own expectations. That right. you're not there. You're fighting it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And not accepting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, it's funny hearing you talk about that because um, I, I just finished reading, uh, Gretchen Rubin's The Four <gasps> Tendencies. Wonderful. And aha moment of like, not only understanding myself, but understanding my children, understanding Absolutely. people outside of my home that have been a part of my life previously. And it was like, I had so much more compassion for myself And for the other people, because, and I've always believed that, you know, children are born with certain temperaments 
And I just, for some reason, that one in particular really got me. And we actually just the other day interviewed um, a woman who does human design. Have you heard of that one? I haven't, no. It's like a, it's a combination of a lot of different things, um, but it includes astrology and chakras and all of those things. And I actually just did the charts for um, myself and uh, my kids. And I have Michaela's printed out. (laughs) My desk too. And she actually, because she's part of my family. Yeah, she actually (laughs) how for business, you know, how, because we are uh, very different, how it works with decision-making and things like that. But I have a question with the book, um, The Four Tendencies, because I have yet to read it. And um, that's my next book that I will be getting on Audible. So obviously, and I took the test myself. um, And do you think that others will have to take the test or, or will I automatically know like, oh, okay, this person is that like, will you know how to, how to see like what other people are in your, in your uh, family through reading that book or Mm -hmm. will they take the test? Just a question. It's a, it's a really good question. I would always say for someone to take the quiz, take the quiz. Yeah, I would. Otherwise you can just have a look and see, you could ask them questions. Yeah. See how they respond. Yeah. I Um, think I remember hearing Gretchen talk about it and like there are you know, if you, you know, like with children, my kids aren't going to hop online and take, you know, yeah. a 13 question quiz about things that would happen in an adult life. Right. Yeah. But, um, you, there are certain things that you can kind of assess in your brain or by asking yeah. little questions. Um, Absolutely. and but noticing the responses, yeah. so noticing and even getting curious about how they do things how okay. they respond to instructions. Um, well, awesome. the whole thing is about how you respond to expectations. So you can watch them and see how they react. Children, I suppose, react more than respond, but you can watch it. And yeah, see. Yeah. yeah. Observe, yeah. observe. Again, self-awareness, but with others. So yeah. what, are, what are some of the other tools um, that you have discovered? So we have deciding uh, we have self-awareness to learn more about yourself, about where you are. And what are your other ones? I've got another one that I'd love to share. And this was something that I felt really um, strange doing in the beginning. And that's why I love to share it, because it's something that's a little more maybe unusual. Perhaps it was just unusual to me. But this is questions that you don't answer. So you ask your mind questions that you don't necessarily, well, you probably don't have the answer to. And what happens over time is the mind works subconsciously while you're busy doing other things. So planting questions into your mind allows it to go ahead and work on it while you're not thinking about it. And this was one of the most powerful things I found because I would then take a shower or be in a meditation and suddenly these answers would come to me. Beautiful. It's almost like a higher power and trusting the, that we don't all have the answers. So what are examples of some questions that you asked yourself? So specifically for the depression I was in, I would ask myself if depression was a physical 
place, taking up a physical space in my body, where would it be? Because actually many emotional and thoughts take place physically. They take a place physically or can take a place physically. So that was the first one. And what was your insight? Where was it physically for you? For me, it was in my throat and my upper chest. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and when I've spoken to other people, I'll get all sorts of answers, but that question in particular, most people can answer straight away. But I still used it as something I would ask my mind in case there was something else that could come up from it. And it did. There were things that came up later in my stomach and then in my back and then in my knees, things like that. But initially, when I asked myself a question, it was my throat and the top of my lungs. And of course, the throat and the top of your lungs is about speaking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the next questions I asked myself is, if depression had a message for me, what would that message be? Nice. So this is really digging into what I think is one of the major causes of depression. And that's living without meaning, living without purpose. And so if depression had a message for you and it was a symptom of you being out of alignment with what you're meant to do here, then what would that message be? So that one I found was very powerful and took me many, many years to come to that. (laughs) And I imagine it's one of those questions that changes over time. Just as as you grow, your message changes and things change. So I imagine that's something that would change over time. But I couldn't answer it for many years. Um, And then the final one I used to use a lot was, if I were to speak my truth, what would that look like? And so that was trying to access my sort of visual imagination rather than, you know, it's rather than saying your truth, what would it visually look like as a picture? Yeah. And so that was... Those were the three most powerful questions that I found throughout my time in depression Yeah, that kind of led me towards freedom from it. Great. Thank you. I have a couple questions for you um, kind of going back. So you said that you were struggling with depression for, or you were working towards healing your depression for four and a half years. And then a year ago in July, um, it, it lifted. So is that what it was like? Was it just suddenly kind of the, the fog cleared and it, it was magically gone? It was the most, um, ordinary experience. I think this is something we do so often as we imagine these extraordinary things. And actually the point that I knew my depression was lifted Mm-hmm. actually I will change my language there because it's something I do work on the depression rather than my depression so the depression was lifted and I felt it I knew immediately that it was gone and another part of my philosophy around depression is that if depression is a symptom of lack of meaning some of the reason you can 
be out of alignment is trauma. And trauma comes in so many different forms throughout our life and gets stuck in the body and pushes you out of alignment. So when you release that trauma from the body, it's like bricks unloading out of a basket. You feel it. And when you've felt a depression for so many years, it's actually all I remember because I fell into it when I was 15 and waited, I had to wait eight years before I realized I had to make a change. Um, and so that's all I'd known. And so I knew the moment it lifted, I knew it. And it was the most ordinary, the most ordinary thing. Mm -hmm. From one moment to the next. And it was just a great big let go of everything that had come yeah. before me. Thank and you. What, are, what are some ways that you've released your trauma? Or what are some tips for maybe listening, listeners suffering with depression or knowing somebody suffering uh, from depression? What are some, you know, maybe some tools for, for that, for le releasing trauma? The most powerful one for me, and it, it was also the most difficult in the beginning, was meditation. Mm -hmm. And, but it's not meditation the way I originally imagined it to be, because meditation, when I first started, just those four and a half, I guess five years now, almost five years, I couldn't even meditate for 30 seconds. I couldn't sit still. Everything came up in my mind. It was just such a horrible experience and I didn't enjoy it. And so I found it very difficult. And initially I would use guided meditations to help me push through that sort of one minute, two minute, three minute, five minute, 10 minute mark. Um, and slowly but surely I built up the capacity to sit still for about five to 10 minutes. And what happens when you get really quiet is all these things come up. And what I didn't realize was that was normal. And so my expectation of meditation was this peaceful silence. When actually meditation is nothing like that. It's very much the silent, silent part is not adding new things in. Which means the things that need to come up or come out are free. There's space for them to take that space. So meditation is really just not inputting anything so that what needs to be let go comes up and out. And it really does. If you allow it to come out, come up, all that horrible stuff that you don't want to look at. And when you look at it without being physically or emotionally attached to it, just staring at it in your mind's eye does release it. That's literally as ordinary as a healing process is. It's nothing spectacular, nothing super special. It's just watching all the stuff that needs to come out, come out, give it a spotlight and set it free. Yeah. Those feelings and thoughts, they want to be noticed yeah. and seen. And then they're able to release. Um, I'm a huge believer in that as when well. When they're acknowledged. Yeah. And thanks. Right. Without judgment, totally without judgment, as if right. it was your friend, just kind of looking yeah. at it. So what does your meditation practice look like? You mentioned it was very difficult for you in the beginning, yeah. which it can be for most practicing. I mean, for some, it can be this 
relaxing thing that you fall asleep to. But when you really dedicate yourself to a practice with a mission, right? I mean, that was your mission to um, release the depression, right? What is your practice? Like, how did it progress and where is it now? My practice eventually became, it transformed from sitting silently to trying to use it in different forms. So I would stop filling my ears while I was cooking and I would try to bring meditation into an activity such as cooking or perhaps a workout. Rather than blasting music, I would have something really peaceful. And so from the guided meditations, I moved into using meditation throughout my day. Movement. And yeah, and that's just as valuable, but I was getting used to this silence. Although I was doing something, because meditation, you're silent, doesn't have to be sitting still doing nothing. It doesn't have to be that. You can meditate as you move through your day. You just have to be And do you use a mantra or do you focus more on your breath? when you're I just well I focus on the activity so I focus fully on the activity and that's how it transformed and then from that I actually went to China and studied Tai Chi and Qigong and Kung Fu and so I learned to then transform that into movement Tai Chi particularly was my favorite and from that I did a Vipassana meditation retreat, which was 10 days of silent meditation, 12 hours a day. And it was the end of that Vipassana meditation that I came out of depression. Wow. Yeah. So Vipassana is a, it's basically to simplify it to Western society. I, I call it a mental surgery. Mm-hmm. So you spend so much time in silence that absolutely everything comes up and out. And there's nowhere for it to go because you have no books, nothing to write with, no one to speak to, nothing to do. You meditate for 12 hours a day for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the end. But you see, I suppose I would say that if I'd have tried to do the Vipassana meditation in the beginning four years prior, I'd have absolutely, I just don't think I could have done it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was part of the journey. But right. since that Vipassana meditation, I have now only in the last, I would say three months have managed this, but the goal was to meditate for an hour every morning. Okay. So I've done that for the last three months. Okay. And but I'm prior sure you that was difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you'll continue to do so just because yeah. I mean the benefits are are amazing yeah. and the freedom yeah. of it as well, right? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And then I wanted to also ask, going back to your first um, tool, which is deciding to make a change, and you talked about like knowing who you know, getting to know who you are. Um, did, can you dive a little bit deeper into that on how, cause I think that's a pretty profound thing to do, getting to know who you are without the mask of, you know, your family, your society and all of those things. So what tools did you use to really figure out who you are? That's a great question. I, you, like I said, I've used as many of 
as possible of the tools that were available by various people in various industries. So it was, um, at the time, I used my birth numbers, which is uh, a book by the name of, let me remind myself, by Dan Millman, The Life You Were Born to Live. And so my numbers show me the path of my life purpose. And so following that, bearing in mind that your life purpose is the most difficult thing you can do in your life, the reason why it's the biggest challenge, because that's what you're meant to do. So it, it highlights the follow your fears um, sense, doesn't it? You really, following your fears is absolutely knowing it's the closest thing I've found to knowing that I'm on the right path. Nice. So that was a real um, center for me. So my personal life, primary life purpose is wisdom and integrity. So I must, if I'm going to live an aligned life to me, I must live by example. I must do what I advise others to do. And so that, yeah, integrity. So that was when I realized I couldn't ever just be the person who teaches things. I had to be the person who lived their own teaching, as the Dalai Lama says, it's, my life is my teaching. That's exactly what mine and many others' life purpose is. And so that's how I knew I had to be aligned. And that was difficult because it's very difficult for me, and I think many, whether you're a nine or not, to take what you know to be the right thing to do and then actually do it. Mm -hmm. Right? It this is so difficult. You, it also holds you accountable, though, and it also has lots of many benefits because you're doing the right things that work for you. And then that makes it even that, you know, that much easier to be able to teach it. And that's something that I try to follow in my practice as well, because who am I to tell you to do something if I'm doing the complete opposite, right? Absolutely. Even if I know that's the right thing to do. And that takes work, you know, and that takes being honest and some days are better than others. Right. But I think as Absolutely. long as you're trying um, and then just knowing, okay, tomorrow's the next day and planning for it for that, you know, that day is, is, is essential and to yeah. be able to let go. Yeah, and I would so love to highlight what you've said there, which is trying. And I really feel that this is something we lose in adult life. We watch children try and fail at walking, well, crawling and then walking and then everything else. And we always say, don't worry, try again. Get back up, go again. And somehow when we make that transition to adulthood, we're somehow expected that we do everything perfectly and to be seen to try and then fail is somehow an embarrassment and somehow shameful. And I think when I realized that trying was something that was courageous and something that was the only way that was going to make a decent change, because you have to try in order to make a change. You have to try and often fail in order to make a change. Well, and so, yeah, I love that you said that because it's so much more about trying than it is about succeeding, well, so to speak. 
And it goes with, I was reading this morning. Um, I read in the mornings, just a couple pages. Um, but today was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it came to the chapter of persistence. Yeah. And it was talking about success will come to you if you're persistent. And, you know, it will knock at your door and, and knock you down and give you failure. But if you're able to get back up after each time with having that laser focused goal vision and have that persistence, success is that's success, right? It's, it's already Absolutely. there. Yeah. And just being Absolutely. persistent with that goal and your goal was yeah. to release the depression and you were able to do that because you were persistent finding all the tools and now you're able to heal others and help yeah. others. Yeah. That's, it's incredible beautiful view of looking at it. Thank you. Um, it's awesome. So are there any, any other self-care rituals that you have besides meditation that accompany your journey at this moment? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a big routine, morning routine person. Um, I do love a good morning routine and I have trialed and errored everything. Um, and at one point, I think my morning routine was so extensive and so wonderful that it would take me all day just to do my morning routine. <laughs> and so I've had to sort of cut it down to what I need at that moment. And I imagine it will change continuously. But at the moment, I'm finding that the hour of meditation is wonderful. And I follow that with an Osho card reading and journaling. And that's just, um, that's just me shuffling the deck and picking a card for the day, sort of a meditation for the day and something to highlight, to pay attention to, to not get caught in any of the, the traps. Nice. And yeah, and then the journaling I absolutely love. I think it's so therapeutic to write and I always write some gratitude in there and a little about sort of day-to-day -day stuff and then a little about ideas, goals, things that I can always look back to because I do love my new moon and my full moon rituals. And so I like to look back to the previous full moon and new moon and sort of see where I was. And so I make sure I've got enough for myself to look back to. Um, and then I need to move. I absolutely, I try to do some Tai Chi or some Qigong or some yoga or stretching or a full-blown intense workout with hip training. Um, depending on how I feel. So I do try to get some movement in. And then I begin my day. Lovely. Thank you. So you mentioned um, the one book about birth numbers, but do you have any other books that you recommend to our listeners? Oh, absolutely. I really feel, and this goes off the, the trying and the persistence that we just spoke about. There's a book that I read more recently that I feel would have been an incredible book to read first. If this had been the first book that I read, I feel like this would have changed the traje trajectory quite drastically. And the book's called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Yes. Have I read that? I think I have. I've read so many books. <laughs> it's hard to Keep remember. Going. Keep going. <laughs> So the slight edge, I mean, the biggest takeaways I took from that was how to be persistent and how to try and how to use time as an asset. And basically, you have to do, you have to use time. I, I've, I think like many people, time is something we stress about and we worry about and um, we are almost afraid of. But 
when you think about it, you can't create habits. You can't create anything meaningful without time because time is what builds momentum. Time is what actually gets you to doing those big things because you can't do a big thing. You have to do multiple little things and then you arrive at this big thing. Yes. And so without time, you haven't got the space to do the little things that it takes to do the big thing. And I think his way of just explaining how little bits every single day is the most important. Showing up every now and then and doing something drastic is nowhere near as powerful as using time as momentum. And so that's where the persistence comes in. You try, you persist, and you use time doing little things every single day and it gets you closer and closer right and i was to, to an audiobook um the earth is hiring by peter kelly yesterday oh, i love her oh, <laughs> amazing and one of the things that stood out to me was she said um and i think she quoted somebody else um it was like what you do today becomes like what you do you know like every day so talking about habits then you, you know, you do that every week, you do that every month, you do that every year, and then that becomes your life, you know, that container of what you can do in a day actually projects into your life kind of, you know, and so it could be negative habits and, you know, spending time with toxic people. If you do that every day, that will become your life, you know, and we don't notice it. So it's little increments, like you're saying, daily daily things and we don't tend to look at things on the micro in the daily especially if you're big picture thinking especially if you've got big dreams and big goals it's really hard to kind of bring those big dreams into the daily and but that's where those big dreams happen yes absolutely and uh do you have any you know like parting words, let's say with somebody that is suffering with depression or any other tools or any other thoughts you would love to share? I would love to. I, I think one of the most powerful things besides deciding that you're going to make the change is becoming the master of you and not looking outside for any more answers because this patient versus person mentality seems to have got really mixed up. And when it comes to physical health, we very quickly go to somebody and we get something and it's cured. And when it comes to mental health, I don't believe we're actually after a cure. I actually believe we're after healing it because the way I see curing something is when you have a chest infection, you go and get antibiotics. Those antibiotics kill the chest infection, but they put you back. They put you backwards. You're worse off after curing something. You have to take care of your stomach. The antibiotics hurt them. You have to reset your immune system. You have to reset everything. You probably have to catch up with work. So I feel like searching for a cure is like searching for something that puts us back. And we have to kind of start all over if not worse off than it started before the chest infection. But healing is where we grow through it. And after healing, you end up better off than when you started. And so I know that my healing journey through depression has left me more powerful 
than it than it ever could have if I'd have cured it somehow and gone backwards. If that makes sense. Yes. So I think knowing that the strength lies within you, you know your body and your mind better than anyone else in the entire universe. And as long as you can keep your curiosity and your person mentality rather than the patient mentality, tell me what to do, mm-hmm. then I think you've got grounds for healing and incredible power through that healing. And I think one of the, the best quotes that have seen me through my entire process is life only gives you that which you are strong enough to handle. It doesn't give you anything you can't handle, which means the power goes back onto you again. Yeah. Because if it wasn't yours to handle, it wouldn't be in your life. Yeah. And what I also noticed when you were talking earlier is you changed the way you said, you know, from my depression to the depression. I think it's so important that people watch their words um, because our words create our story. Right. And so you're able to change that story and say it was, it was almost like outside of you. It's something that you can control. It's not something that you own. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And just on that quickly, it's, it's so easy to become identified with something when you say mine or mine. And actually, it's not useful in the healing process to identify with something that you're not wanting. Yeah. So by saying it's something, like you say, outside of you, then it's something that doesn't affect who you are. Yeah. And we don't get stuck in the, the identity part of it. Um, I know it was something I really had to watch because I only remember life with depression. And so it was very difficult for me to accept as well that I had left it behind. Part of that post-depression, I think, is certainly never talked about because we, we're not sort of understanding the healing process properly yet. But the post-depression that I felt was this large part of me was gone and I now had to create my own new normal yeah yeah we talk about uh, we talk about that a lot with uh moms especially new moms and a way that you actually have to grieve with the old self that you were the things that up, you know when you were 25 single are not going to be the same things when you have you know two kids busy life, you know, it's, it's, you're a whole different person on a cellular level, um, through experiences and wisdom and, you know, to be able to reassess that and start from where you are and kind of figuring out where you want to go is, is a huge process that a lot of times people don't take, you know, and then they suffer because they don't even know where they want to go. Or it's very they- easy to fall back into what yeah. you've just spent so much time working through as well. And so yeah. that's a sort of good time to reassess again who you are now and to do all of those tests or go back to those personality things and reassess, right. like, how have I fundamentally changed? And right. Yeah. And that's, part, that's a huge part of self-care. And if you have to schedule that and put it on your calendar to do maybe once a year, and it could be, you know, January 1st, right? Because we, that's yeah. when we kind of 
go over our goals. And, you know, most yeah. people make them about weight, you know, and about looks and about what they want to accomplish, but there's such deeper work that needs to be done. It's like, how do you want to feel this year? Like, what do you want your word to be? You know, what yes. do you want mantra? Like it's, it's not about, yeah, it's nice to get the physical things. Don't get me wrong. We live in a physical world, but be able to like, you know, separate those things and go even deeper. Um, because why do we want things? We want things to feel a certain way. And if we could feel those things now without having them, like we're halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for being with us today. Um, so to conclude, we love to hear um, three things that you are currently grateful for. I am currently grateful for messy action. I have recently come across this word and I love this. This is going back to the trying. I'm very grateful for all messy action. Nice. Trying, failing, trying again. <laughs> I am very grateful for the environment that I've now somehow manifested into my life. I would like to take a little credit for that, but I have manifested this incredible environment that's loving and supportive, something that I didn't feel I had for many, many years. And so I'm really grateful for that at the moment and the people close to me. And I think the other thing is I'm really grateful that I learned the lessons I learned and have decided to put them to good use, which is to help others. So I really hope that I can begin to share these tools with people who need them. Thank you so much. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So lovely to chat. Yes. And thank you for everyone listening. And to learn more about Sam, you could just visit the show notes and visit her, right? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. If you like what you heard and you're interested to see if you're fit to work with us, here's what to do next. Head over to mayaandmichaela.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak with our team. We will get on a call for about 45 minutes and we will work with you to craft a step-by-step game plan to win back 10 hours of free time in your week so you could reconnect and spend more quality time with your loved ones. And we will get you clarity on three things. Number one, we will help you see what mindset shifts need to be made in your life. Number two, you will learn how to create a schedule so that you can flow through motherhood with ease. And number three, you will get in touch with the things that bring you joy so you know what to do with this free time. Whatever your biggest challenges are, we've seen it and we know how to overcome it. Don't do it alone. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have helped moms get more free time in their week to focus on themselves without sacrificing family time. To see if we can help you do the same, go to mayaandmichaela.com forward slash apply. We look forward to talking to you soon.